Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Glorious Rugby Podcast. I'm your co-host, John Fitzpatrick from Rugby Morning, and joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host, Alistair Kirschpool, AKP. It's another Victory Monday. How are you feeling today? I'm feeling excellent. I'm feeling like second place in the East is exactly where we belong. I'm glad to be back there. What a couple of weeks it's been for Old Glory, right? Like again, great win over the Utah Warriors, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. Quick note, quick note for the folks who who pick games, MLR games, and Super Brew. Only eight percent of fans who picked that game picked correctly. I was one of the eight percent that picked Old Glory to win the game. And again, it was funny because on Twitter I mentioned that I was I vowed to never pick against Utah again. I lied. I picked against them. I knew Old Glory. I didn't know. I had a good hunch, a good feeling that Old Glory was going to win. And sure enough, they did. But enough about me and my prowess or not at picking MLR games. Let's talk more about Old Glory DC through 10 rounds so far, Alistair. They are four wins, five losses. And again, what a few weeks it's been because two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they were two wins, five losses. And I believe the word we used in that one episode was frustrated how are you feeling now (laughs) i'm feeling a lot less frustrated but it's it's worth noting that this this performance we've seen over the last couple of weeks last few weeks like this is why those games were so frustrating that's what made me so frustrated is because i knew we had these games in us these these wins we've played so well over the last couple of weeks we've and we've just lived up to the the quality that we we always had but we weren't achieving earlier and so it's that's why i was frustrated i mean sometimes a team is going to be bad and you know that there's nothing you can do about that but we didn't have a bad team we had a good team but we had a good team that wasn't winning games and now we've got a good team that is winning games would you say this was old glory's most complete performance of the season so far uh in some ways in i mean i guess you could say we've showed we showed everything that that we've done earlier in the season and you know, flashes of of everything we've been good at you know some nice dramatic tries some nice well-worked tries some great defense in the second half it was a little like sampler plate of of everything <laughs> we've done well this season except the scrum but we'll get to that we'll talk about that in a little bit i think my my overall takeaway was i like the fact that Old Glory found a way to put the game away. And what I mean by that was it wasn't like, a, you know, gripping the edge of your seat, there's five, ten minutes left in the game, and the outcome is still kind of up in the air. Old Glory found a way to be in control, to close the game out, to put the game away, and secure those, those five maximum points, table points they could get. That felt good. You know, that felt good to me, and I, I got to imagine – that had to feel good for the players and the coaching staff going into a bye week, and we talked about it. What a stretch of seven games we have left. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit as the playoff hunt really heats up. But, AKP, give us the current playoff odds of the teams in the Eastern Conference after 10 rounds. So New England, obviously, is up at 100%. Like There's almost no chance that they actually miss the playoffs at this point. And then you have, in a really tight tie for second place, DC Old Glory is at 67%, and New York is at 66%. So they both have a clear 
head start on their on the the rest of the the league and they're probably going to be the the other two playoff contenders but nola is at 36 percent and atlanta's at 32 percent it's worth noting that both of them control their destiny still so um if they win out then they can make the playoffs there's there then they're guaranteed to make the playoffs and so you can't count them out yet they still it's still in their control whether they make the playoffs or not and that's partly because um atlanta's like a a couple or they're one full game behind us in in the the standings but they play us as the last game of the season so if they win that with a five point win and don't deny us any bonus points then then they could still they could still beat us yeah, and what's interesting to note about those, right, we're not going to play New York again unless we meet them in the playoffs. Noel Gold, they beat us at home. They beat Old Glory at home, and then Rugby ETL beat um, Old Glory um, at their home. We, we, we play both of those teams once more before the season is out, so those will be really important games. And we're going to talk about what those next seven games look like. we got a bye week, then on the road against Dallas, and then a very important home game against New England. Those are our next two matches at the start of a really important stretch here um so you know hang on tight if you want some some fun rugby we are definitely going to get it and again just the simple fact that we're in the conversation right compared to this time last year night and day right the simple fact that we have a 67 percent chance of making the playoffs um is exciting right and and the momentum is there night and day difference between this year and and last year and akp you've been at all of the home games it seems like, again, the weather wasn't the best, but it seems like you can hear it on the broadcast. The crowd's getting there. They're a lively bunch. So I'm, all, I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that attendance is going to continue to go up as we start to get into some of these nicer days in, in May and June. Yeah, and we've had some, some unfortunate weather, which has definitely played a part. I mean, this game was delayed by 50 minutes because of of lightning, and certainly when we got to the stadium, we just... We didn't exit our car for about an hour because it was just pouring down rain um, and with the lightning. So I, I do wonder if some people just turned around and went home um, or some people looked at that weather report and said, nah, I'll leave it to another time. There are a lot of sports activities that were canceled on Saturday. My daughter's t-ball game, I'm the coach. That game was called off at the last minute because of the thunderstorms that moved through. So, unfortunately, the Dodgers did not play. But that's okay. Moving on. Let's talk. Let's recap this Utah Warriors game. I want to start with the match day 23. We've seen some interesting uh, selections over the last couple of weeks. Let's break down. What were your thoughts when you saw the match day 23 that Old Glory DC put out? Any Anything that jumped out? at you right away surprises well it sort of jumped out to me that we we've had a pretty consistent lineup again we've sort of seemed to have found another another lineup that works for us and there weren't a whole lot of changes from last week um we got our first look at kyle bailey um after he was announced weeks ago yes yes finally gets in the lineup made an impact too both positive and negative <laughs> yeah it, yeah Yellow card was unfortunate, but um, overall, I felt felt like he had a pretty positive effect. It's just nice to have an actual lock at lock again. Yeah, I felt um, very steady. And look, I, I hope he's not going to face a, a sighting. It, you know, it. 
the shoulder, the, his arm, his forearm maybe came up against the shoulder. There wasn't head contact. Um, that was a big boy he put down too as well. Again, I, the plus to me is bringing that intensity, that physicality. I really don't like that word, physicality. I feel like it's overused. But anyway, brings that physicality, I'll use it, um, to the lock position. And I don't know. I mean, I was kind of looking around trying to read the body language of the players afterwards, and I think they're all kind of like, oh, okay, all right, Kyle. Hey, you know, <laughs> big hit, but um, certainly you're probably not going to see something like that from Kyle again. And was, he was probably just amped up having not played in, in, in quite a bit. Um, but to your point, a steady veteran presence at such a pivotal position where we've seemed to have injury concerns, where we've had some younger players who've had to step in. Again, Colin Gross has played absolutely phenomenal for Old Glory DC. But to bring in a, a veteran steady presence, a guy who's a capped for Canada, throw him in the lineup, get him in there. I think that's nothing but good stuff that's going to happen for, for Old Glory. And that yellow card was unfortunate, but good to see him in the lineup. I gotta t- we got to talk about the the... The, the front three. Um, so again, you mentioned Kyle Stewart back in there. No Romero Herrera. Inju- <laughs> we don't know. Injury concerns? Resting him? I think probably. I think he's... My guess would be that he's injured. Are we uh, trying to find a 6XL jersey for him to put on? Is that the, is that the hold up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe you just can't find a jersey. <laughs> We've run out of materials. Um... <laughs> Jokes aside, we, we hope there's nothing, uh, no injury concerns, Romero, and he's got an extra week to, to heal up if there are some, some some little injuries here and there. Number 10, the fly half, Graydon. Another excellent performance at 10, bringing Tito off the bench. We can talk a little bit about what's going on at at fly half there in a bit, but what are your, what are your thoughts when you saw Graydon there at, at number 10? Yeah, I'm. I mean, it's one of those uh, like in basketball, playing the hot hand. You know, the the player that's that's bringing you the results. You just you got to keep him on. And Boyd has been giving us the results. He's he's stepped into the the fly half role, and he's he looked better this week than he did last week. Even he looked like more. He looked more comfortable as an attacking threat. He ran some great lines, like just cutting through and um, spotting his gaps and going for them. He seems to be settling into that that starting role really well, and you can't argue with the results. We do. We just look a bit different on attack when he is there and providing those distributional skills. He doesn't have the, the kicking game of, of Tito. Um, it's noticeable. He doesn't get nearly the same distance on his clearance kicks. He doesn't um, have that like tactical kicking flair of getting 50-22s all the time and um, really putting the opposing back three in a difficult position, but he's, he's got the distributional skills and it. I think it makes up for it. I'm going to jump ahead here and ask you a question, get your thoughts on this. So, Oklahoma's on by, then they go down to Dallas. We know Dallas has the, the Argentine influence. Do you think Tito starts against Dallas, or do you continue to play the hot hand, so to speak, and throw the Canadian Graydon in there at 10? Well, that... It could be a question, and I do think, it, you know, it, just because Boyd is having a great, a great time here, doesn't mean that he's necessarily the absolute better fly half, and so it could be a, a game to game thing where we look at the opponent, we look at um, what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and what we think we can exploit, 
and switch out as needed. And frankly, that can happen mid-game. They're both... You're, you're not going to leave Tito completely off the roster. So if, if Boyd is struggling in a game, there's no reason we can't pull Tito in, put him at 10, and, and get a totally different look for the the attack so that's sort of the strength of having two great fly halves AKP tip of the cap that was a very diplomatic answer very statesmanlike answer you know talking about Canada US <laughs> Argentina you should um, you know you should uh, you know you could be the next UN Secretary General very diplomatic answer I'm very impressed by that <laughs> <laughs> grab a job on Embassy Row or something <laughs> exactly Exactly. All right, well, let's jump into the game real quick. Hot start for Oglory DC, right? Two and a half minutes in into the game. Attacking scrum. The ball gets kicked out. My boy, Willie T, with a nice little grubber. And again, we've talked about this in the past, about how we've had some bounces not go our way. A great run by Penny Lasanga. Scoops it up and scores. Oglory, within the first three minutes, scoring a try there. And then just a couple of minutes later, they come right back down and score again. The line out... Seemed to have some some stuff we were working on, getting a little bit better there. And there's maybe Kyle Bailey's presence there. But nice driving mall. Sujan dots down. And guess what? Oglory's up 14-0 within 10 minutes. I mean, what a, what a hot start. What, what, what was the crowd feeling? Yeah, it felt so good. I felt We felt in control. And we, we seemed to, you know, I've been fearing this Utah match because they're, they're such a hot team right now. Or they were going into this match. They... They were putting away some great opponents. We were, yeah, I figured it was going to be a really, really close game. And then we come out of the gates, score two tries. We had basically all of the possession. We we just looked to be in complete control of the game in the first ten minutes. And obviously, it you know they had their chances later on, and it it we weren't didn't feel quite as in control in the beginning of the second half. But yeah, hard to argue with that start. Makes such a difference. In control sounds right, right? And what better way to 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 keep Utah's potent offense from scoring by then just holding on to possession? And that's what Oglory did. They they possessed the ball so much, and guys like Mano and Crusay and Makani couldn't really get going. And certainly, we saw how Utah can come back and come back quickly. Lance Williams had a nice little run; they dotted down, and they can score quickly and in bunches. And they and they started to claw back. But heck, going into the sheds at halftime, Oglory up by a try. You had to feel good, and again felt like old glory was in control of the match it wasn't a hey we're letting this slip away from us or hey we're trying to like scramble and get a try to cut back at the deficit old glory felt in control in 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 most of the of the first half and i gotta ask you from from my vantage point it seemed like the lineouts were improved a little bit what what did you see there that were that was different yeah the lineouts were were not perfect but they were much much better i mean when you think about the the absolute disaster that they were against atlanta where we won like 20 percent of our own lineouts, this was this was they were at least competent we generally won our own lineouts, and that that's a sort of baseline minimum that you, you hope for and i do wonder if it's the influence of having someone just a little bit taller in kyle bailey being in the lineup and being able to jump just that little bit higher being able to lift that that little bit higher just makes that the difference yeah yeah i mean cer- certainly the conditions right with the with the rain delay so it was definitely a wet the ball had to be getting wet out there and slippery so certainly line out issues are going to happen when when the weather isn't 
um, the best for throwers and catchers there, of course. But, uh, yeah, you said an improvement, right? And that's all fans are asking for is an improvement. Can you win more than the majority of your line-out throws? Uh, Because it's hard to win games if you can't. Uh, So certainly some issues there. But then when they secured the ball, it seemed like there were some good driving malls. I mean, that second try that they scored, what a great, you know, what we've seen in the past with Suchan at the back, the ball's there. They're just pressing forward, and it's like they're marching down the field and dotting down. I mean, that's just fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, we saw some some good stuff there. And our mall defense, too. I mean, we were getting pushed back a little bit in scrums, but we were not getting pushed back at all in the malls. I think there was there was one where they managed to, to score anyway, but malls are such a powerful tool that you're never going to stop every single one. And for the most part, we managed to, to really shut them down pretty well. Yeah. So I got to ask you a question. So after Utah, we talked about Oak Glory getting off to a hot start, being in control. The third try that Oak Glory scored was a, was a penalty try that was awarded to them. You talked about how Graydon's made you know a couple of nice line breaks. He had a guy on his right and his left. Tusi Todd was on his right. I think Bavaro might have been on his left. Uh, tried to get a pass off, Joel Hodgson, the fly half, I think grazed it, got enough of a fingertip on the pass to kind of um, dislodge it, knock it forward a little bit, and went to Utah's hand. That pass lands to, to Danny Tusatalo. That's a sure seven-pointer. Um, did you think it was a generous call that Old Glory was awarded? That penalty try, was that, was that the right call from the TMO? I mean, I haven't watched it back on... Um, the computer but from the stadium yeah it seemed to be it seemed to be instantly like the entire the entire stadium knew instantly that was like oh that's gonna be a penalty try like the only question was for for me is i didn't quite see whether he knocked it on or knocked it backwards but if it that went forward then definitely penalty try well earned i think i mean you just can't be knocking the ball down he didn't have any he wasn't going to be able to intercept that and like you you don't get to just screw up a, a scoring opportunity like that. You can't you can't really argue if you knock a ball down that close to the try line that in a line break situation like that. Uh, and I think you know that hundred percent in a situation like that where it's essentially three on one, you can't yeah you can't get away with just trying to disrupt a play like that and not get penalized. And again, that pass lands in Danny's hands. That's a sure seven pointer right there. You know so. Um, I think you're right. I just wanted to test and see if it, if DC got away with one there or if the TMO made the right call. And I think we both agree the TMO made the right call. Uh-huh. Yeah, I may be a little biased, but but you know that's just the way it goes. You can't you can't expect to get away with that sort of thing. And if they had gotten away with it, it would have been on some technicality rather than like in principle. It's just not the sort of play that yeah. we encourage in rugby. Well, let's 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 go a little bit later in, in that first half. Kyle Bailey, the yellow card that he received from from the the reaction in the crowd. What did the crowd see when they saw that? From your vantage point, what was going through your mind when you saw that that hit? Well, it was one where because it was a a little bit off the ball. I think a lot of people missed it. I certainly didn't see it when it when it happened. Um, and so someone sitting next to me pulled out pulled out their phone and like we we watched the replay on the phone but yeah and it it was not a not a good hit 
again the sort of thing that if he'd if he'd gotten away without a card it it would have felt a bit like him getting lucky because he he did not have the right form he he didn't really try and wrap too much he didn't he wasn't low at all it it just was not a good tackle at all so it seems fair to me Certainly want to protect the players. Player player safety, health and safety is important. What makes me nervous about it um, could be the potential sighting here this week. And is it will we, you know we just talked about it. it was great for Kyle Kyle to get in to the lineup, bring that veteran steady presence. But could we potentially see him miss a game? And there's a bye week this one, so that won't matter. But could we potentially see him receive a one game suspension? Is, was it worthy of a one-game suspension, and could could you see him missing the Dallas game? I mean, it's possible. I I would be I'd be a little surprised if that happened because they'd have to decide that it actually did warrant a red card at the time. Um, I mean, but at the same time, you you can't. I don't think I could complain too much if they if they did decide that. Um, I'd be surprised, but he, he sort of brought it upon himself. It would be very unfortunate for us to to finally get him in the lineup and then suddenly lose him, especially because if he if he were to miss more games than that, um, you start getting into players have to play in at least four games to be able to play in the playoffs, and so you start running against that limit where he he might also miss the playoffs if he got suspended for too long. But I would be surprised if there was a long suspension. And look, I agree. The TMO, they, they went, they looked at it. There was not head-to-head contact. The, the, the shoulder or maybe the arm kind of came up against, you know, hit the opponent's shoulder. It was such a bang-bang play where the player could have received the ball there. I mean, it was an obvious attempt to try and, and fool the defense there. Yeah. So Kyle, he's not just going to sit there like a limp fish and get, you know, blasted by the runner there. So... I don't think he'll get a sighting. I certainly hope not. I anticipate that there's probably no issue, the yellow, and, the, and, the, and that'll be it, and he'll be he'll be fine and, and okay to knock on wood and play against Dallas. But um, certainly makes me a little bit nervous. Yeah, and it's something where you could, I mean, about that, like it's something it just as a general thing about about rugby, you've got all these dummy runners running lines where they they could receive the ball and that's part of what makes the attack so interesting these days compared to the old days but at the same time you know you could get their guy for for playing our man off the ball like sure Kyle Bailey put in the not a great tackle on a guy who never even had the ball but why was the guy who never even had the ball in a position to be tackled because he was running straight at the line and looks like he was about to catch the ball like I don't think you can hold that about against Bailey and that's part of the reason it wasn't a great tackle is because he he's not actually supposed to tackle that guy so he pulls out a bit stays upright and and just kind of pushes him over instead which again you're not allowed to do and yellow card warranted and all of that but I do feel like you get you get these dummy runners and they do often interfere with the defensive line in a way that that feels a bit unfair so I wonder if it's something that world rugby is going to look at or if if that's just the way that the game is played these days yeah 
Yeah, good call. All right, well, enough about that. We, we anticipate we'll see Kyle against Dallas. I want to close out the, the kind of the recap of the Utah Warriors game. That second half, again, Old Glory entered halftime up by seven. The final score ended up being 36-22 at halftime. It was 24-17. How did you feel about how the second half went, played out, right? Again, you know, we talked about it. I felt like it was probably reassuring that they – put the game away, right? Like they closed it yeah. out. They were up. They never relinquished the lead. Utah did score that early try in the second half. You know, they make that conversion. It's tied. They missed it, 24-22. And then they stopped scoring after that. What, what were your – give us your thoughts on how you feel like the second half win and anything you saw that stood out to you. Yeah, so the second half, we talked about how much Old Glory looked like they were controlling in the first half. But then you get to the second half and – um, Utah looks really in control because they have so much possession and also they make a lot of ground. They have, it felt like we were in this this unbreakable loop of they would push right into our 22. Um, we would steal the ball somehow, do some something to disrupt them. Maybe they'd knock it on or something like that. We'd boot it back out to halfway and then it would repeat. They would push right back into our 22 We'd hold on and long enough to to get the ball back and boot it back to halfway, and it and it was it was like half an hour of just us playing defense in our own half, them just you know giving it attempt after attempt, you know push after push, and eventually they did manage to score. I think they got a they got a penalty and it gave them a a line out in the corner, and they were able to push that over for a score, but. It did take them a long time, and that's part of what we were saying about this being sort of a sampler play of everything Old Glory has done well this season, is this, we played well defensively, very well. I mean, we didn't slow them down much on attack, but we were able to hold our line for like half an hour, and against a Utah team that is perfectly capable of scoring. I mean, it's hard to, Mika Kruse is a hard guy to stop, Joe Mano, hard guy to stop, and so... Being able to to do that and to just hold them back for that long a time it was it was very impressive and it does make me makes me hope that we're getting a bit, a bit back to the the defense we showed early on in the season and then to respond like as soon as they scored it was like suddenly we were able to score again and we just <laughs> couple tries right in to seal seal the game as soon as they. As soon as they scored, we we just instantly clicked back on on attack. Okay, there's there's two points that I want to bring up. One, and I don't think we're we're talking too much about how big of a win this was in the sense that Utah was the hottest team coming into round ten, four game win streak, one of the hottest teams, one of the most potent offenses so far in MLR. Again, only eight percent of Superbrew fans picked Old Glory to win this game. Yes, Old Glory was at home, but Oh, glory. <laughs> a phenomenal win by them to maybe silence some of the the doubters or some of the haters out there who want to dogpile on the Eastern Conference. And we'll talk about what the standings look like right now. But I, I think we got to, again, this was such an important win for Old Glory DC, simply just to, to show that <clears throat> they can hang and beat some of the top teams in the Western Conference. Utah Warriors, they're a, that is a very good squad. They're 6-3 and three still. They're right in the in, in the chase. They're only what? They're only, you know, six points back of, of Seattle who 
had to, had to squeak by Toronto. All of a sudden, the Eastern Conference is getting really competitive here. The other point I wanted to bring up, and this is more of a joke, but um, we talked about in the last episode how this was going to be a high-scoring game. I predicted a 52, I think, to 49 win. And, and I said, take the over. I don't think the over hit. And I, it didn't hit 100 points. Although although halfway through the first half, it was tracking good for, for 80 points. Your, your prediction, this game ended up being, I think, the second-lowest-scoring game in round 10. Um, just a funny observation. Um yeah, the weather probably didn't help. Wet conditions. Yeah, we both made those predictions before looking at, before seeing that it was going to be thunderstorms. So, AKP closing out our recap of the game. We're going to move to the forward and backs of the game. And historically, I've always gone first. And you know what? That's not fair to you, AKP. So I am going to let you make the picks first. Tell me your forward of the game, and then we'll do the backs of the game. You can start us off. Yeah, this is it's a tough one because I feel like a lot of the a lot of what was great about this game is how many different people were contributing to everything. I mean, you could give Kyle Bailey this because he really did make a difference at line out time. And it's amazing how much of how much just winning your own line outs can make a big difference. To the game he brought a real, really physical presence. Um, I mean, Jamma had a good game as usual. Bavaro had a good game as usual. Like, it's Suchon got another got another try. It's. I think I will go with Bailey though. I think he he just brings something different to the lineup, and it, it's something we really really needed. I'm going to piggyback off your selection and go with Kyle as well, simply because I think that veteran steady presence that we talked about, inserting him um, in the lineup at lock, considering you know some of the injuries we've had. I think he, he played well, um, yellow card aside. Um, excited to see how the lineout improves with his presence in here over the next seven weeks of the game, that Kyle Bailey, my selection as well for forward of the game. All right, AKP, back of the game. And I have a feeling I know who you're going to select but I will let you take the mic. Yeah, again, really tough thing. I thought this was one of uh, Danny Tustala's best games in a in a while. I thought Kurt Baker like bounced back from a bit of a rough game last last week, um, and really showed us a lot. Um, it's hard not to pick Graydon Boyd though, like. <laughs> He's made such a difference for us at fly half. And, and I feel bad always picking the same guys because, like, Talatana, uh, Talataina had a great game as well. I mean, Penny Lasanga is really coming back into form on the wing. Marcos Young's, um, like, setting up that try at the end. It was basically a solo effort. And despite getting, like, tackled around the neck off the ball after kicking, um, speaking about things that got missed by the referee... If we hadn't scored, we absolutely needed to get a penalty and a yellow card there because that was ridiculous. But, you know, so many guys contributed well. But, I mean, you just can't look past the effect that that Graydon has had on this this lineup and our ability to attack and score points. Yeah, I agree. I think the, I thought the back line played pretty well. Again, you held, you held Utah's offense to only 22 points, so the defensive effort certainly was there, bottling yeah. up that potent attack. 
Mana wasn't really springing. Cruze scored, but you know he he wasn't really rampaging down the sideline. Rockney really you know did not have. Um, it was pretty quiet, right? So I think. Uh, across the board, great effort by Fords in the backs. Um, I agree with you. Great in again, two weeks in a row, phenomenal stepping in. I, I gotta point this out only because it cracked me up. Um, when Old Glory scored their first try, uh, I saw in the replay. It was so funny. You know, Penelisanga races in, he scores down as he's dotting down. Connor McLeod was trying to you know cover, come back and prevent a, a score. As he is like approaching Penny, William Talatana, who just had the nice little grubber, pushes Connor McLeod in the back. He goes flying over Penny Lasanga. He lands on the ground, goes like this. Willie T, you know, for him it was like no big deal. Just like get out of my way, out of my player. And he didn't even look back at Connor McLeod. To me, that cracked me up so much. I don't know why that play stands out in my mind other than the fact that like Willie T is not a guy you want to mess with. And not because he's a mean or yeah. dirty player. But because his ball skills are good, he obviously brings something with his foot there. He can do dynamic plays. Oh, and then, by the way, he'll get aggressive and knock someone out of the way. I don't know why that play stood out in my mind, but I had a good chuckle. I went back and watched it a couple of times just because it cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny to think back to um, some of his first games for Old Glory last year, and I felt like he was a lot more timid or, or at least... You know, he wasn't trying to be flashy. He was trying to play within the system and all that. And then he sort of realized that MLR is all about physicality, all about hitting people hard, all about, um, you know, individual players really stepping up and taking control. And, like, since then, he's just been an absolute, like, bombshell. He's been such a a solid presence in the centers there. You know, they've been flopping guys, switching guys in and out. Palamos been coming in. There's been some some injuries. You know, Martinez has stepped in there a few times. But you know, William Talatanina, since he because he didn't really play the first two weeks, right? I didn't I didn't think he started playing until maybe week three. I could have that wrong. Um, I can't quite remember. But since he's been inserted in the lineup, he has played well. You know, constantly consistently involved in, in scoring chances getting tries try assists knocking guys off the ball you love to see it um he's not my pick for back of the game but certainly knocking Connor McLeod over was my play of the game <laughs> <laughs> amusing moment for sure who is your back of the pick back of the week then oh Graydon sorry yeah I think Graydon, oh yeah Graydon's yeah. my yeah, that's yeah, true I'm we went over that. piggyback yeah I'm gonna piggyback off that so we, we just we, copy we, my picks that's right. You know, I felt bad. I always go first. And it's not that you were copying my picks, but I think some weeks the selections were pretty clear. But yeah. for this week, for the record, I'm copying uh, Alistair's picks, so everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That closes out. Whew. Um, that closes out round 10, um, which is, which is an, an entertaining round 10. Um, let's do a quick look at the standings. Uh, after 10 rounds, again, New England, first place, 34 points. Seemed to have a pretty good control in first place there. Old Glory, D.C., second place, 25 points. New York, third place, 23. Nola Gold, fourth place, 21 points. Atlanta, fifth, 20. And Toronto, they picked up a, um, a point, I believe. They've got nine points now. And again, they're starting to look pretty, pretty. That was a tough game for they played against Seattle. They had, in round 10, they had to lead through 61, 62 minutes of that. 
of that game. I got to ask you, AKP, if you look at the standings, and there's some haters on social who are pointing out that besides New England, all the other Eastern Conference teams have losing records. What do you say to the haters out there about that? I mean, that's the way it goes. And it's it's not like, every, yeah, they've got losing records, but not by much. I mean, yeah, deal with it. The Western Conference, I mean, you look at, that was, it was the opposite was true a year or two ago. I think 2021, the opposite was true. It was the beast in, beast in the East and the, um, the West had like a couple good, had LA and that was pretty much it. And they ended up winning. The Western Conference ended up winning it, but, you know, yeah, teams, teams vary. I, and you look at the, the the teams we've beaten we've lost to it's not like there's a big difference bounce the ball i don't know statistically it's not hugely significant i agree before we uh before we close out round 11 we've got to bring this up uh got a little chuckle from me but i'm sure you saw this uh on sunday afternoon in a very contentious <laughs> from both on the field and on the sidelines new york houston matched at the uh the hydration break, which they got to change the name of that. Just call it a TV timeout. Let's not call it a hydra- hydration break. That just sounds so... Anyway, um, there was a, a fisticuffs, a Donnybrook, if you will, between Houston's head coach and New York's coach of high performance. I think you probably saw the replay. It's been shared across social. There was an open face slap and then... A little bit of a scuffle, an overhand right that I don't think quite connected. Though, if it did, could have been, could have been a shot there. Um, a lot of the chatter on social has been that's not good for the game. It's a bad look for MLR. And while I don't necessarily disagree with that, it's a passionate game. Rugby is a passionate sport. We're talking about big, tough guys beating the crap out of each other for 80 minutes plus some times. Passion. People are going to get heated. I kind of chuckle to see coaches getting a little bit of a scrap. What did you think, AKP, when you saw all of that? Yeah, coaches usually don't get into the scrap. I mean, the players, you understand, they've got all sorts of adrenaline going for that time. They're going to get in a fight every now and then, but the, it's it's unusual to see the coaches. And I think the I think the story is that New York's coach, one of New York's coaches, was was yelling at some Utah player or some uh, Houston players and. Houston's head coach had a had an issue with that and so went to yell at the New York coach and eventually slapped him across the face and then um got a got punched in return so it's going to be interesting to see how the the bands fall here and absolutely like the league's going to have to come down hard on this the, you can't be having coaches getting in fights like that it's it's not really on but at the same time I think it's hilarious I had, I Look, Squidge, good Squidge Rugby is going to tweet about it. You know, when Squidge Rugby yeah. is tweeting and sharing, and there's it. the there's the the concept of no publicity is bad publicity. I mean, if this makes it into like one of the sports, one of the mainstream sports top ten funny moments or whatever, that's that's marketing in and of itself. Yeah, no, I agree, and and let it be known that. I've seen some commentators say, mostly our overseas fans say, oh, look at America. They can't even get the rugby values right. It was a South African coach and a British coach who got in the fight. Not the American players. 
<laughs> yep, the or American coaches. players were the ones pulling them apart. Exactly. When do you see that? <laughs> anyway, yeah, I agree. You know, MLR will come down. We'll, we'll see some suspensions here and there. Um, I don't think it's 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 reflective of how MLR is poorly run or that rugby isn't going to work in the U.S. Like there are bigger issues besides a couple of coaches being passionate and yelling and maybe taking stepping over the line, of course. But everyone, calm down a little bit. Yeah. Unclutch the pearls. Okay? If it's a trend, if it became a, a regular thing, then yeah, we would have a problem. But it's a one-off thing. Some coaches got in a fight. Let's all just laugh about it and move on. I will say, Houston's head coach, Human, he's South African. He's an older guy. He's certainly not a guy I would want to scrap with. It looks like he can still hold his own there, and he certainly did not back down because that um, that overhand right from the New York coach, I saw a picture of him. He's their you know, high-performance coach. He looked pretty built up. Some of these coaches, man, yeah. look like they could still they could still maybe relish a little bit of the, the fist of cuffs or anyway. but does It does make you want to see a... Uh, March Madness style tournament with uh, each of the coaches pitted against each other in a fight. See who would win. <laughs> uh, all right. So, maybe that's an off-season topic. Maybe that's an off-season topic. That's good. You know, we'll have some a segment to, to to work on in the off-season. But speaking of off-season, Old Glory DC is now. You know, they're off. They're on the bye week. We'll talk our around eleven in just a second here, but. Second bye week for Old Glory DC before a very important seven final games of the season. And, man, it, it gets brutal, and we get right into the thick of it. Your Old Glory DC, what's, what, what are you prioritizing in this bye week before you go on the road and, and face Dallas? Yeah, I think you're prioritizing getting everyone healthy making and maybe just getting more cohesion if if this is the starting lineup that we've decided is is the one we want um just making it making it work and making it um getting everyone comfortable with each other getting them practice together and um i also think just letting some people get some rest i remember Telataina describing that um he didn't play in the the NPC in the off season because he was just exhausted from the MLR season. So it's really intense and physical for for sixteen games, and so and he, he certainly hasn't backed off the physicality this season. So um, just letting him guys like him get some rest, recover a bit before we make this last push towards the the end of the season and the playoffs. Hopefully, yeah. I think that'll be the focus. Yeah, I agree. And what you know, something that I think will be interesting to watch while the the MLR you know signing and trade deadline passed. That was last Monday. Teams were supposed to submit their paperwork, and there's been a trickle of news of player signing. Certainly, I think the the, the cat's out of the bag now. Bodine Waka is going to be returning for New England, which is scary to think about. Where do you slot him in at ten or fifteen? But you know, I don't think Old Glory is done with with signings. I think some of these will trickle out as you know as you know visa issues get worked out and things like that or maybe they just when they announce it but you know we talked a couple episodes ago there was a report that potentially old glory may be looking at uh, scrum half certainly maybe some depth stuff do you anticipate old glory maybe announcing another signing or two and where and what position potentially yeah i think um there, i think there's the potential for another signing 
um, I don't have anything concrete on what it would be. I think the the scrum half thing fell through. That was um, someone else beat us out for. I can't remember who scrum, which scrum half it was, but but someone else beat us out for the scrum half. And frankly, with um, with Tusitala playing so well, I don't think we need another scrum half right now. Um, we could probably use another lock, um, but again, we would have had to known that long enough ago that we could have signed them already. So, yeah, we we did have a new signing of another back row player just before, um, just before, last week before the the game. But he obviously hasn't made it over yet. He's um, man, I cannot remember his name off the top of my head. Nico Jones. Nico Jones. Yeah. That was it. Yep. He's a son of a um, New Zealand legend over there. He seems to have had a, a really promising career in, as a schoolboy, and then um, starting in the MPC has been disrupted by COVID, and there, he's had some injuries too. So he looks like a really potentially powerful player for us if, if we can get him in in time. Yeah, is he injury cover for Corey Daniel? Like, do we anticipate we'll see Corey Daniel again, or? I don't know. And the real question is, how do you fit another foreign player on the the roster? Because we're really, especially with our back line, you know, you look at the back line, you've got Tani Tusitala, you've got Tito, you've got um, Talataina, you've got Sao, you've got Lasanga. We're using a lot of our, we're using like half of our, half of our slots just for the the back line and then you look at the front row is taking up at least another three foreign player slots you really don't have a lot of space that gives you like two foreign players for the the back row and the um and locks and so and our locks are right now all domestic because most of them (laughs) we only got kyle bailey and um colin gross but you look at the back row i mean You've got Bavaro in there, and you've got to... I mean, are you going to take Bavaro out to put Nico Jones in? That seems crazy, because Bavaro's had a, an excellent season so far. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see what sort of moving around and what sort of changes they do there to make that work. Yeah, I think... But I think you're right. The focus, the priority is rest, recovery, you know, guys that are progressing through any injury rehabilitation, hopefully that's going well, and, and getting as close as a healthy squad as you can for a very critical stretch run here. I mean, just looking at the next three weeks following the bye week, Old Glory on the road against Dallas, which, you know, they're not an easy – they're not an easy out anymore. It seems like they've been really improving, you know, after their, their first win this season. And then Old Glory returns home on Sunday, May 14th uh, against – New England Free Jacks, and then a really quick turnaround. They have a Thursday night game, May 18th, uh, at Toronto. So, you know, a tricky little stretch there before the final four games of the regular season for Old Glory. Need guys healthy. Need to make sure that we are we are pinning down what that, that starting 15 is going to look like in a very important stretch here. Um, so prioritizing rest and recovery certainly will be the key here. AKP, I want to close out. Let's do our picks anyway for round 11. Shorter week this week. There's only four games on the docket. We've got a Friday night game, and then no games on Saturday, and then three games on Sunday, which is really fascinating. So let's let's get to it. Seattle 
first of all, what what it, your model? Um, what's the success rate for your model before we go into our picks? Oh, I have not checked that. <laughs> oh, good. How'd you do last week? I went five and one. I did okay. I, 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 my ding was on Chicago, pulling off a win over Nola. Um, yeah, I, I think it did pretty well last week. I mean, everything. I think you went six and zero. Oh. Six and zero, oh, probably, because yeah. now that I mean, everything went sort of to chalk. The, the. Yeah, you picked. You picked New Orleans. Yeah. 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 Well, because. I mean, New Orleans has played better than Chicago so far. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The model is the model doesn't make any aggressive, crazy picks. It just makes it makes the boring picks because that's what it's designed to do. <laughs> All good. All right. Let's see how the model does in in round eleven. Only four games. So again, Friday night, Seattle at home against Dallas. It's at ten p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Eastern Time kickoff. Seattle. Took them a while, but they did put away Toronto. They play so well at home. Uh, yes, Dallas is an improved side. Could Dallas surprise everyone and knock off Seattle at their place at Starfire? I don't think so. Seattle probably wins this one. It's probably not as big a score as one might anticipate, but I, I still think Seattle's not going to lose this game um, at home with way things are you know between the third and fourth spot there, and even the second spot in the in the Western Conference that um, I like Seattle in this game to win by eight points. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I think Dallas will keep it close. They've shown a, an ability to keep things close, but fundamentally they seem to be unable to prevent people from scoring when they need to score. Um, so I would, I would back Seattle to, even if Dallas is in the lead with 10 minutes to go, I, I think, there's no way they stop Seattle from getting a try and getting back in the lead. So I'll take Seattle by five. Um, the model, though, is much more confident about Seattle. It has Seattle by 15. Wow. Okay. So then we have three games on Sunday. Again, no Saturday games. The first one, 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Nola Gold at home against the Toronto Arrows. This one, it gets a little bit trickier for me simply because I think Toronto maybe showed a little something. They always play particularly well at at home. They have a pretty good winning percentage uh, at home, even though they ended up losing uh, to Seattle there late in the game. Seattle was able to power over and win. Nola Gold, I think, returned to the form that we've seen most recently of them where, you know, they're, they're starting to play a little bit better. I guess the injury concerns, Iona really didn't miss. Sounds like Tom Florence escaped a pretty serious knee injury when he went out a couple, two rounds ago. Nola's at home. This is a game that they can't afford to lose, I feel like, the way things are going in the Eastern Conference. The simple fact that they right now are in fourth place, trailing second place by four points. They've got to have a win here against Toronto. You can't drop to Toronto and expect to stay in the playoff chase to be a serious contender, that I think Nola Gold wins this one. I like Nola by 10. I'm going to give Nola Gold a 10. Yep, I'm in the same boat. I I mean, Toronto's looked a lot better, but um, frankly, Seattle's a team that doesn't put teams away anyway. They don't tend to to blow anyone out anyway so i think they're gonna have a harder time against nola who do have a tendency to to really if they've got an advantage they tend to 
really make a lot of it. So I'll take Nola by 14. And the model has Nola by 16. So again, even more confident in the in the favored team than we are. The next game will be New England at home against New York. This is another 3 p.m. kickoff. This is an interesting one because we know New York can beat New England at their place. They've done it before, most recently last year. On paper, New England is a better squad than New York simply because New York has had so many injuries that they are dealing with. They're missing a lot of top players. They had a chippy encounter against Houston. They were not out of that game. They played pretty well. They were able to get um, a valuable bonus point or two there. New England, I think, will probably win this game. I think it'll probably be a tight affair going through 60-65 before they put New York away. I think it'll be a chippy encounter. We could see um, some, 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 some interesting things. New England probably won't have Jesse Peretti again. <laughs> he... Uh, Lost me 12 fantasy points, but that's my mistake for playing him. But I think New England wins this one. It may be tight, and it may take about 60, 65 minutes for New England to put away. But I like New England winning by – I'll give them winning by a try, seven points. Yeah, at risk of being – just copying all your picks, I'm exactly there with you. I think New England's the better team. I'm going to actually have them by two tries, though, 14 points. I think – I don't think New York's that good, which is something I've been saying for a while. But And I've come around a bit more to New England probably being pretty good. I feel like they weren't... They were sneaky not good like four or five weeks ago, but I think they've they've actually established themselves as genuinely good since then. So, And the model has New England by 13 points. So a lot of high... A lot of... <laughs> there's a lot of really wide spreads for the the model this week which is interesting the games look seem like they ought to be close but the model is predicting that it won't be interesting you know i'll I'll let you take a lead on on the round 11 finale san diego at home hosting this the saber cats going into this real quick san diego top team in the western conference they're eight and one they've got 40 points Houston right behind them, 7-2. and they've got 36 points this is an interesting match i will let you Lead off with your pick. Yeah, this is potentially the the Western Conference Finals preview here. Houston have looked really good, although they've they haven't looked quite as dominant as San Diego. I mean, San Diego seemed to almost be playing with Dallas when they when they played them. Um, I mean, it was a close seemed like a close game, but at the same time, not. We've seen what San Diego can do, but Houston's got a lot of fight in them and. I certainly think Houston could win this. Um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not fully confident that San Diego is going to pull through. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think I can pick against San Diego in this form, and I'll, I'll have them buy a try, seven points. What does the model say? Uh, the model has San Diego by eight points. So, mm, interesting. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I, um, I think it'll be a fun match. To watch, and I hope Houston gives San Diego um, a good match. But I don't. I'm with you. I don't feel confident that I can pick Houston to knock off San Diego. San Diego has has been on form. Houston's missing a couple players with suspension. They do. They can score though. I mean, they've got some some fun pieces there. 
Christian Dyer can can score. Uh, Davy Coatser, their fly half's probably been the the best fly half in MLR so far. He's definitely in the discussion. So there's pieces there, but I got to pick uh, San Diego in this one. Are they going to run Houston out of the building? I don't know. I feel like Houston can can match match them on the physical department, but yeah, I, I like San Diego. I'll get winning by five. It feels so wishy washy, but they're going to win by five. So yeah. Could be a high-scoring game, that one. Could be, could be. So we got the bye week next week. We're still going to do an episode, AKP. You commit into an episode next week. We got to, we got to talk. We got to preview. Oh yeah, what's to come? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think we can have a good conversation about like really laying out what's going to happen the rest of the season because yes, we're gonna we're right in the right in the the last little bit of it here, and these these games upcoming are going to be. Make or break. AQP, you're getting right into the final thoughts. Close this out. Final thoughts for this episode. We're favored to make it to the playoffs. Imagine, tell yourself that. To Tell that to yourself a year ago. And just remember how ecstatic you would have been if you had heard that we were going to be second in the East. Un- without it, standing alone at second in the East two points clear of the next um, best team with seven matches to go. Imagine that. I love it. We'll catch you next week as we preview the final seven games of the regular season and we really talk about what the playoff chase is going to look like. For Alistair Kirschpool, I am John Fitzpatrick. We'll catch you next time.